welcome to another episode, a very special episode of the Coaches View podcast, a podcast hosted by professional football coaches and analysts, for those of you who love to look at the game in minute detail. My name is Harry Brooks and I'm joined once again by Richard Webster. Hello, Richard. Hi, mate. You good? I'm really good. I'm very excited for our special guest today. Um, and I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to introduce him straight away. So myself and Richard are delighted to be able to welcome Liverpool throwing coach Thomas Grunemark to the show. Tom, uh, Thomas, how are you, mate? I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine. Good, good. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, and probably to preface this, it's probably good to sort of, you know, explain who you are and to sort of, for those who maybe not, don't know, I'm sure most people do know who you are, but, you know, explain your role in the game. So obviously you are a Liverpool throwing coach. You also, you are a freelance coach. So do you want to explain a bit about, you know, who you are and what you do for, for those that are listening? Yeah, I'm a freelance throwing coach. I'm, I'm a I started in 2004, so I've been a professional throwing coach for 16 years. This season, I'm coaching eight different professional clubs like Liverpool FC, Ajax from Holland, Ghent from Belgium, Atlanta United from the States, FC Midland from Denmark, and some other clubs too. And I'm working with a philosophy called the long, the fast and the clever throwing philosophy. So what I'm learning the players and the teams, the clubs, is to keep possession after throw-ins and, and score uh, goals after chances created. So that's what I'm doing in my daily life. Yeah, yeah. And you do obviously have a website, if you'd like to sort of say that website where people might be able to view. Your website is? It's thomasgronemark.com. Just write my name and then .com. Yes, definitely. Um, so obviously your, your work has been widely appreciated by major clubs in Europe and the world for quite a while now. But since you joined Liverpool, that's probably when you became more widely known for the, for the, throughout the public and, and, and public's perception. Um, when you first joined Liverpool, there was a lot of people that were perhaps surprised that a club like Liverpool might employ a coach into such a specific role. Um, myself and Richard being you know, coaches that work with professionals, we, 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 we were actually surprised that clubs didn't do this sooner, um, certain clubs. What's your reaction to people that are surprised that, you know, a club would look to employ a throwing coach? Oh, for me, it's pretty fine that people are surprised because, because I think most of the time they're surprised because of uh, lack of knowledge. A lot of people think, oh, it's only a throw-in. But if you're looking at there are normally between 40 and 60 throw-ins in a match. <laughs> it's a lot of situations. And if you're looking at time spent on throw-ins and throw-in related situations, then throw-ins are taking 15 to 20 minutes of a match. So we are not talking about marginal gains or, or, or a small thing. It's actually a very big thing in football. I think it's just a little bit because of the culture that people haven't really realized it in 140 years that throw-ins are important. So, so for me, it's okay that people are skeptical. I'll say that 99% of all people, when I'm talking with them, they, 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 they can realize that throw-ins are actually really important. We just haven't really done anything about them for, for, for so many years. I mean, your, your influence at Liverpool is clear for, for everyone to see. I mean, before, before you joined Liverpool, I've got, the, I've got it written down here, that Liverpool retained possession from throw-ins um, under just under 45.4% of the time. So they would have a throw-in and more often than not, they would actually lose the ball, um, which was the third worst in the Premier League. But since you joined... That's improved by 23%, and then now the best in the Premier League. And you know, myself and Richard, we've discussed. We find it amazing that 
that this side of the game was ignored for so long because, as you said, there's 40 to 60 moments in a game where it's the side where, you know, there is a throwing um, generally and possession is so valued nowadays that that's a huge part of possession and your influence is clear to see. Um, and I know, Richard, you want to sort of go on about that as well. Yeah, I think it's also important to clarify that from, from what we've read and what we've seen that, that Thomas's influence, is, this is different from what we're talking about um, a few years back, there was the long throw of, of Rory Delap. let's say. He was the, the, the long throw exponent who was um, really ex- exploring that and, and leading to um, uh, sort of exciting moments for Stoke and leading to goal chances and chance creations. Um, but this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, throwing used as a tactic to regain possession as an important tactic um, or a tactical weapon to sort of increase your chances of regaining possession or retaining possession, let's say, um, on the field. So it's, I think it's important to make that uh, differentiation that we're not talking about long throws. These are just not just talking about missiles thrown into the box. We're talking specifically about, um, you know, the art of the throw-in as a, as a way to retain possession. There, Thomas? Yeah. Well, I was going to ask then, so obviously, you know, what would your weekly schedule at club might look like? So how much work, how much of your work is divided between maybe doing routines, throwing routines, or maybe the actual technique of a throwing? What would your weekly schedule look like in terms of what you do with the players? I'll say I'm, I'm perhaps only using like 5-10% of my time on, on the throwing technique because most of the most of the time it's used on on uh, how learn the players how to create space. Uh, of course, I'm 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 especially in the start when I'm coming in the club. I'm working with with the players throw-in technique because the longer you can throw, the greater throw-in area you can have. And most players they're improving with my long throwing coaching between five and ten meters, some up to fifteen meters. That's only technique. That's not nothing to do with the weight room and so. And a few teams, like perhaps 10% of all teams, they're really like set-piece team, big and tall and strong, a little bit like Stoke. And for example, also, I had four seasons with FC Midtjylland where we scored 35 goals after a long throw-in situation. So you can use that, but it's only a few teams. But, but you know, with, with my long, fast and clever throw-in philosophy, all teams can use that. So that's also the reason why when I'm on the training pitch, it's more... Um, it's more drills that, that's about how can we create space? How can we use my, I'm working with three different zones and I'm also having 40 to 50 different throw-in tools. Then I'm also using individual like throw-in superpowers because different players have different strengths, like good at protecting the ball, good at, at first touch, some are fast, some are good at creating space. And then on top of all that, um, the players are using their own fantasy and creativity. So when you see in Liverpool, we scored 13 goals after throwing situations this season, 1920 season. And if you see a Liverpool goal, some people think that, okay, it's because this guy and this guy and this guy was made to run there. No, it was because the players have been learning the different throwing tools in the different zones. And then they know what's working. And if the opponents are covering us when we try to create uh, space in the near area, away from the thrower, that we are just exploiting other areas. So that's what I'm working with, with um, in a normal a train, training week. And normally with a team, I'm coaching two, three training days per week. And for example, in Liverpool, I have six, seven visits per season. So it's not every week I'm training. And then the training exercises themselves, it could, for example, be four versus four. 
with a throw or four versus four with a secret throw. And then after 20 minutes, we switch, then it's nine new players. It could also be five versus five interval game on a narrow pitch uh, with big goals and goalkeepers. And then after two minutes, we switch. <clears throat> In these uh, drills, we perhaps work with, with the basic way of creating space, but also my many different throwing tools in each in each zone so so it's most of the times i'm working with all the players of big groups so uh, yeah interesting would you ever work with um like pairings do you ever pair players and, and say okay this is a this is the player um who's got an accurate throw this is a player who's got a good first touch do you ever pair guys and say this is an ideal partnership for a throw in maybe it's a fullback and a winger or anything like that, would that come into it or is that not really relevant? Yeah, sometimes it can do, but I, I, I do that a little bit time, but more it's like like in groupings and relations. So it's really important if you're having a, your right fullback that you have a good relation to, to your central defenders, to the midfield players who play in your side, but also the offensive midfield players and strikers in your side. So, so you can say that it's always good to create relations, also in 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 throwing situations. But uh, what what I'm really using time on is that all players are knowing my tools and the basic stuff about space creation. So, because if you're looking at a Liverpool match, it's not only the fullback who takes the throw-ins; it's it's six, seven, eight different players often, and it's because sometimes it's better that. Then uh, that that Mo Salah is taking the throw in or Virgil van Dijk, and if they don't know the throw in philosophy and what works and what doesn't work, then um, then it's it, it's a bad thing that they're taking the throw in. So I think it's really important if you want to have success with with throw ins all over the pitch that that you are involving all players. I was going to ask you. You spoke there about a, a throw in philosophy and a throw in style. Um, would that would there be a scope for that to change team by team. So if you're working with a team uh, that maybe is a bit more direct than another team or a team that likes to build up possession in a certain way, would that style change? Would the club dictate to you, okay, we would like this type of possession or we want uh, throw-ins to be going into the box? Or I mean, is that dictated by the style of the team or do you just have a philosophy that's implemented like, the same way across all of the teams that you work with? I'll say that perhaps 70-80% of my coaching is the same from club to club, at least with the 90% of clubs who are not doing a lot of long throw-ins towards the opponent's goals. And then the last 20-30%, that's I'm really fitting my coaching there into the club's playing style, but also the different players. So I'm communicating a lot with the staff in general, the managers, the assistant coaches, and physical coaches and analysis people. And so... So my coaching is, uh, is, is, is a bit different if you look at Liverpool and Ajax and Atlanta United. And so, so I think it, it's one of the most important things to, if you want to have success, that you're communicating with people around you. Because if I'm just coming with my philosophy and putting everything over the players and, and, and staff's head, then, then it won't work so good. So, so I'm both, you know, doing the work on the pitch. I'm doing the video analysis of the throw-ins. I'm doing either short or longer talks for the players or for the staff or both. And in between all of this, there's a lot of communication with people. So I think that's one of the most important thing, things we can do is communicate. So our knowledge is, is like delivered the best way. And especially like me, because I'm a, I'm a, a 
freelance throwing coach and I, I'm not in the club every week whole year so I think it's especially important for me to try to communicate as much as possible. Where you work with such a variety of clubs um, are there certain clubs or certain cultures that are more receptive and accepting of your ideas? Does it take a, um, a longer amount of time to, to convince the players of your methods in certain clubs or areas or, or is it kind of generally the same when you go to every single club how you're received? I'll say it, it's, pro it's, it's approximately the same because if you invite me and sign a contract with me, you really want to improve your throw-ins. If you're, you, you don't really think that's, that's a really good idea, then you don't sign a contract with me. So I'll say all, all managers and staff, they really like try to improve the throw-ins. And of course, I think that's a good idea. And then according, according to the players, I really try every time to give them the why, the meaning of throw-in coaching. Because of course, if you ask all players, would you rather play with your feet or throw with your hands? They'll, they'll, they'll say, we'll rather play with our feet. So, but there are so many throw-ins. The, the situations are so important for the outcome of a football match. So, so I'm always telling the players like the amount of throw-ins, the amount of possession for all teams, and and so I'm really doing uh, using a lot of time on on giving them the why. Yeah, myself and Richard, we we train a lot of academy players and younger players. Um, with your work, do you ever work with younger age groups, or is it mostly? the professionals and the first team players that you work with, is there much time to do academy players or not really? No, I'm, I'm doing every group. Of course, it's been having a lot of focus with the big clubs here, also winning the Champions League with, with Liverpool. But uh, actually, I'm also coaching. Uh, the youngest group was uh, I once coached a U6 team in Greenland, but I've been coaching U10, U12, U14, 16, both uh, boys and girls. In a lot of clubs where I'm at, for example, in Liverpool, I'm also coaching U23s, uh, U18, U16. I had one week uh, in, in the fall 2019 here where I was educating all, all the coaches in Liverpool FC from U10 and up. I had a whole week where I was helping them there. In Ajax, I'm also, I'm wow. up in Ajax, I'm also coaching young Ajax, the second team also, U16 and so when I'm there sometimes. So I think it's really important not only as a big club to like, like have throwing coaching in all teams, but also yeah. as a academy team, a youth team or amateur team that, that you're focusing on the throw-ins. Um, and a lot of people might think, hey, we, we don't have time for throwing coaching. You can get really far if you have the, the right knowledge with just 15, 20 minutes per week or 30 minutes. And it's not like some people think that my throwing coaching is like normal set-piece training, like the Friday before the match Saturday. But it's, it, it looks a lot like, like normal uh, football coaching. Of course, there are folks on throw-ins, of course, but the players are also like passing the ball with their feet, trying to score a goal or defend, or if it's with goalkeepers, also try to catch the ball. So that's also the reason why I'm, I'm mostly I'm coaching on a Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. So even if you are academy coach, youth coach, amateur coach, you can easily fit it into a... Uh, easily fit it into... Um, your normal training. That's also the reason why I'm, you know, I'm writing a book about throw-ins at the moment. You can also read about that on my homepage. But, but my biggest dream is to change football. So we are taking throw-ins from something you just have to do to something that's fantastic in football, that's exciting, not only for the staff and for the players, but also for the fans or for the spectators in the normal youth game. Because 
throw-ins can be fantastic. They can be amazing. But if they are only being thrown down the line, then it's like, oh no, another ball loss. Or Yeah, so, um, so that's my biggest dream, to help coaches all over the world. I think that's really interesting. And, and what you said there about the um, change in the game um, and, and how to make throw-ins a real weapon in the game, that, that brings me... Um, the point I was talking to Harry about, I, I vividly remember watching uh, the Brazil team. So I always followed Brazil very, very closely. They're my, they're my number one team that I would always watch and root for in any tournament. Um, and I was watching them in the late 90s. So let's say 97 to 2002. And I vividly remember uh, Cafu and Roberto Carlos and the wingers, so the fullbacks and the wingers, sprinting to get the ball. And this would be the first team that I saw do this. It was so unusual that they would sprint to get the ball when it went out of play. And they would, talk, they would always take a very short, very accurate throw-in, which then resulted in a bounce volley uh, back to the thrower. And I was like, it was like a light bulb moment. I'm like, why are we not all doing this? Why are we insisting on throwing the ball down the line for the flick-on header, which was growing up as a young footballer myself. This was what we were always coached. If you, 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 gain, you gain possession through a throw-in, we throw it down the line, someone flicks it on, and we try and gain possession that way. And then I would watch Brazil just throw it to feet short very quickly before the other team had a chance to reset. And it was like, a, like wow, this is, it stood out like a sore thumb. Like this team is doing something to regain possession. It's very, very quick, very, very smart. Um, and it's like you said, it's, it, it, you're, you're trying to gain an advantage in a moment. Um, and I think there is the, the possibility to change football through um through this element of the game and that always stuck in my mind um so it's interesting now that you, you're getting to work with these big clubs and that finally big clubs are seeing the benefit of working in this way do you think most big clubs sorry, do you think most big clubs are now changing and really and you know realizing how important the throwing is or do you think that um most clubs across the europe and the world are still way behind in their realization of this aspect of the game I'll, I'll say yes to both things, and that might, may sound weird. But first of all, I think uh, the clubs are realizing that it's important. I think the big challenge is that they don't know what to do. They don't have the knowledge uh, to improve it. And so, yes, to the second question, too, that, that the level of throw-ins are really low. I, I, yesterday, I saw a match um, Dortmund against Bayern Munich, and it was really scary how many times they put put their own teammates in really big pressure situations all around the pitch with throw-ins. Of course, it was not every time, but a lot of times they did it. And for me, it was really obvious that they lacked the, the basic knowledge around um, how throw-ins can work, not only in general, but also um, all over the pitch in, in the, the different zones. And and some people are thinking that, okay, then we, we are just going after the long version and that we focus on that, or we are just like... We are only going after the short and fast version, but but I think my job is to raise the throwing intelligence from the team. So, with my 40 to 50 tools all over the pitch, that's 12, 15, 17 tools in each of the three zones. My players know that they have really many different options and how to create space in these different options. So it means that if we can't throw fast and short, for example, in the near space close to the thrower, then we can unlock other areas and it's the knowledge about when to throw fast when to wait but also when to use different options that gives you a high 
throwing in intelligence. Of course, you can go far by getting the ball fast and throw it fast. But I can also say, for example, in most matches with Liverpool, we are 20, 30, 40% better than the opponents at throw-ins under pressure. But sometimes it's even more extreme. In the first match against uh, Tottenham, Spurs uh, in this season, we had nine out of nine throw-ins under pressure. With Liverpool, that's 100% possession. It doesn't happen often, ha- happen often for us with 100%. Normally, we are around 70 or so, 75. Um, but, but Tottenham had only four out of 16. And it was because, and that was 25%, and it was because if they couldn't throw it fast to a free teammate, they didn't really have any uh, like like tactic around throwing, so they just threw it down the line. And then we know, of course, sometimes you can be lucky, as Richard is saying, to keep possession. But often you'll lose the duel, or you'll just flick it on to the to the central defender of of the opponents. And it's the same with I just mentioned uh, Dortmund and Bayern, but also the first Champions League match against Bayern last season. We had around seventy percent with Liverpool throw-ins under pressure, but Bayern Munich had had uh, 28%. It was the same as with Tottenham. If they couldn't throw it fast, it was pretty clear to see that the team didn't have any uh, real strategy around throw-ins. It was also clear to see that the individual throw-in intelligence was very low. And it's a, li- it's a little bit uh, like, like scary to see that if you're looking at the players' abilities to to pass the ball, to shoot, to see areas when they have it in the middle of the pitch and everything that's just like world-class but then you're looking at the throw-ins. Uh, for me, there are often no difference between throw-ins in Premier League and Sunday League football. And I know it's scary to say it. Often you can see a first touch and so, but the throw-ins itself and the movement, that's really low quality. And that's the reason why I want to change the things in football, because it's it's not only bad for the individual club, but I also think it's, it's bad for football. We just get used to bad throw-ins. Well, I'll say in another way, we can make football much more entertaining by improving the, the throw-ins all over the pitch too. I think it's crazy. I mean, when you look at and you see how valued position has been over the last decade and this, these last two cycles of football, position is valued so, so much by so many coaches and teams. And yet this aspect of the game, I mean, you mentioned Bayern Munich earlier. Bayern Munich are a team that, you know, Dom, look to dominate possession in most of their games. Of course they do because they're the, be, they're, they're the best they're the best team in the Bundesliga and they're one of the best teams in Europe. So of course they look to dominate the ball. And yet they can have a, a situation where they will lose the ball 28% of the time from, from a situation that can happen 40 to 60 times in a game. It's absolutely crazy that this side of the game has been ignored for so long. Yeah, and I'll say, and I'll say they, 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 have, they lost it 72 percent of the time because they only had a possession on 28 so it was really like like more than two out of three times they lost the ball so so and they have like budgets on billions of pounds and so in in this club so but you know again it's a lack of knowledge yeah this is an interesting point that me and harry wanted to talk about because we we see the progression as as coaches ourselves to work with players you play for the big clubs um from youth level and all the way up to the professionals as well um, we see the infrastructure that, that they have for sports science, for example. We see the, the level, they, they'll go to the nth degree in terms of athletic development, in terms of developing the sportsman, in terms of um, tactical awareness and preparation and, and, and analysis. Analysis has gone through the roof in the last decade. And then you've got this, this area of football. I mean, corners, players get creative on corners. Players get creative on free kicks. 
And then you have this whole area of football, which is the most common set piece, which is largely neglected. Um, and it's, it, like you say, it's, it's, it, it's a crime, really, where you've got two, this is, you know, Liverpool v Tottenham. This is the Champions League final. These two teams reached the Champions League final. How can one have, you know, they've, they've paid attention to this area and have such a high uh, percentage of retention of, of the ball? And another team, you know, this, this calls out uh, sharply to me and Harry because we're Spurs fans as well. Uh, um, how can one team then have 25%, you know, you know, chance of retaining possession? It's an area that's, that's been overlooked for a long, long time. Do you see that changing, though? Do you, yeah. see the, do you think the big teams will actually get on board with this now? Because I know there's been a, there's been, it's quite a divisive subject and there's been quite a lot of, uh, let's say, criticism or naysayers um, from certain parts of the, um, of the press. Uh, Steve Nichol is quite a, uh, quite a vocal uh, pundit who's maybe thrown some, thrown some, uh, thrown some doubt over it. Uh, what do you say to what do you say to pundits like that? Because um, obviously, sorry, so before you answer that, I was obviously you know you mentioned Steve Nichol there, um, Richard. Obviously, Steve Nichol, you know, has had a profession in the game. Does it surprise you when you know I, maybe you might understand why fans on the outside who don't understand football in minute detail can maybe not really understand the you know the the the, the need for a throwing coach? But does it surprise you when professionals involved in the game um, don't realise the value of it? No, I'll, I'll, I, and I won't, I won't, first of all, it doesn't surprise me because there are different kind of players, you know, there are players who are not really into what's happening, they're just playing, and, and it's the same with pundits. Some pundits are like using a lot of good arguments, and they're using knowledge, they're using data, they're using analysis when they're discussing football, and some some pundits are, are just uh, <laughs> talking louder. So, um, you know, for me, the, you know, the people who, who understand this subject, they, I think 90% of them or even 100% of them are, are supporting, not necessarily me, I think a lot, of, a lot do, but more like the thing that we can really improve the throw-ins. So I have a lot of backup. So for me, there'll always be people who are criticizing uh, you, especially if you're the first one, especially if you're the one who are like, like trying to, <laughs> trying to, you know, go forward with, with, as the first one with new ideas, then you have to expect to be criticized. For, for me, it's no problem. I can just say that, that the amount of people who are now supporting me and my, my course here with, with the throw-ins, I just gigantic. I, you know, people write to me every day on mail, LinkedIn, Twitter. The last, the last 30 days I've, have, I've been having uh, 57 interviews and webinars and live, um, live, live, live meetings from all around the world, from, from Nigeria, uh, Tunisia, uh, Morocco, Nepal, Vietnam, whole of Europe, Canada, Brazil. So, you know, people just want to improve the throw-ins. So for me, it doesn't really matter that, that there, are, there are a few... Uh, people who are skeptical. I don't mind that people are skeptical, but what I really like is that people have arguments that are based in, in, in data or knowledge and not only what they think. So uh, it doesn't matter for me. So. so do you think then, obviously answering Richard's question, you think that obviously 
the bigger clubs are going to start to become more willing to to incorporate a throwing coach and and you know um, utilize the throwing in their game. You think that's going to a trend that's going to happen? That the big clubs will pay more attention to it? Yeah, they already do. I just think they lack they are lacking the knowledge. And some people some people think that okay, if we only do like Liverpool, but that's that's I think that's one of the biggest mistakes. If we make make up our, our players move like Liverpool. If they're just they're just trying to do that, then then you are just making your players more confused. The reason why Liverpool players can move like they do at throw-in situations is because first of all they've done all the basic things around throw-ins in my coaching, and and uh, then having a high throw-in intelligence, and then they can do the movements with their own creativity and fantasy. But if you try to make your players move like Liverpool, then you are like have perhaps even make, making the things worse. So, so you have to start with the basics. So, um, so, but I think that when I'm publishing my book and doing my online courses in the future, of course it will open up a whole new world for football coaches but, and especially for youth and amateur coaches all around the world because right now they, they can't really get my knowledge. But I also say that I've been, I've been saying no to, to, to other clubs in Premier League also direct competitors of, of Liverpool FC in the top, so... Um... Yeah, Liverpool got there first. <laughs> as they sort, of seem, they sort of seem to do, though, recently, I think, um, Richard, as well. You know, I think, that, I think that the last few years, Liverpool have been by far the best-run club in the Premier League, and it's no surprise to me that they are the first ones to really, in the Premier League, appreciate the value of the throwing and, and well done to them and well done to you, obviously, that, you know, they've, they've appreciated it and they've had such huge success from it. You know, it's, it's a huge part of the game that's you know, thankfully, finally being recognised. And um, no, it's been a fantastic conversation so far. We're going to be right back after the break. Welcome back to the Coaches View podcast, where myself and Richard are delighted to be joined by Thomas Grunemark, Liverpool's throwing coach. Um, Let's get straight back into it. Richard, I know you have a few um, beliefs on, you know, how football can be a bit slow to change. So if you want to bring that up, mate, and um, ask Thomas his views on it. Yeah, we were just talking briefly in the break there. So um, obviously with this this innovation, we're, we're very interested as coaches who work in football a long time with players. Um, we're interested in uh, the changes in football cycles. We just did a podcast recently about that and how football develops. Um, we look at teams and we see we see the amount that, the amount of attention they pay to athletic development, the amount of attention they pay to, to set pieces and, and um, you have free kick specialists, uh, the amount of change there's been in certain roles. So goalkeeper would be a huge change, the most obvious change of how the role of a goalkeeper has changed. There was no sweeper keeper before. There's now, you know, that this is a, a half an outfield, a half a goalkeeper position that's changed dramatically. Uh, the rule that's come in recently about taking taking goal kicks short within the within the 18 yard box this would not have been thought of at all 10 or 15 20 years ago goalkeepers always went long so we're really interested in in anything that's to do with innovation and so we wondered if if maybe this will um, now these bigger teams and and let's say more more established teams or, or more prestigious teams Liverpool Ajax Ghent um, who've, who've taken your advice on board and taken your work on board. Hopefully now we'll see maybe a little bit more innovation creeping into other areas of the game. Would you say um, that football is slower to react to these changes than other sports or do you feel like you've been embraced 
um, and, the, and the football embraces this change. So in general, if you're, we're looking back uh, the last, I can, I can only count for the last 30, 40 years because I'm 44 years old. But if I have to compare football with up in, up in uh, six years on the Danish athletics national team as an athlete, I've been four years on the Danish national bobsleigh team as an athlete. And if, if we 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, compared these two sports with football, we were ages ahead with uh, looking at small things, video analysis, innovation and so. And I'll say that I think it's been a cultural thing with football that, that, that people or managers or coaches have been uh, like doing things like we did yesterday or 10 years ago. But I'll also say that especially the last two, three years, it's really evolving football into to being more data-based, uh, a lot of analysis here. So I think that that's also one of the reasons why I could have my big breakthrough in, in July 2018, where Jürgen Klopp called me directly. Because if we hadn't have um, hadn't had the analysis and data, it could be hard to measure throwing possession and what we did and what we didn't do. I think 20 years ago, we just thought, hey, if we just lost the ball, we would just, uh, that was just a throw-in. But we know now that to lose the ball at a throw-in has the same consequence as if we're losing the ball in the middle of the pitch. We're risking that, that the opponents are scoring a goal. And for example, this season we score, we've been scoring 13 goals after throw-in situations in Liverpool FC. Throw-ins all around the pitch. It's not the long throw-ins towards the opponent's goal because we don't do that. But three of these 13 goals are when we have been taking the ball from the opponents when they have a throw-in. Other three of these... 13 goals are when we have had a throw-in at our own penalty area, and that's the hardest throw-in in the game. So, so we don't have necessarily to just throw the ball down the line. So, But I think it's especially because of the development of data and analysis that, that I have been able to have my breakthrough in, in, in football. And, and now it, it just looks like that the world is opening up for throw-in. So oh, I'll uh, absolutely uh, take this... Uh, open hole and, and give some own much knowledge knowledge as possible to to coaches and players and people who are interested in football all around the world. So I think there'll be a big, big uh, progress in, in, in throw-ins, especially the next many years. Hopefully, hopefully. You Do you work on, um, I'm just interested to know if you work on specifics. So would you would you coach players to, to maybe throw to a, uh, a strong foot would you coach players um, in certain areas to, to throw the ball differently, maybe a chest height or thigh height or foot high? Um, does this vary player to player or position to pitch um, or by position on the pitch? Or is it, how, how would you work with it? It can be different from, from, from area to area. It could also be different according to which kind of pressure you're on. I'll say in many occasions you you prefer to go after the feet, but you can also say that if you have created a big amount of space, then it could also be all right to go like 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 to the chest or or in the in the space in front of you if you are running and and so so it's really depending on on what kind of space you've been creating, but also where you are on the pitch could it be the near area in the middle, yeah, to the left or to the right side or so. So that's also why I'm coaching the throwing intelligence because the, the players 
can take their own decisions when they have a high throwing intelligence. So it's you can't say that, of course, often it'll go to the feet, but you can't say, oh, it has to go to the feet every time because other, other situations, it can be an advantage that you're having it to your chest if you're running and pushing it a little bit forward as you run or, you know. So um, I think, so So the biggest difference from, from looking at throw-ins as just uh, in, in a simple uh, angle I'll say that that can you can you look in uh, at throw-ins at a complex way and still understand it as a player and as a coach that will be a big uh, an advantage for you when you're working with groups of players and teams you know myself and Richard let's say we work with an individual and work on his crossing ability it can take that individual you know weeks and maybe months before they they make that breakthrough and they they they've honed down on that technique how long does it generally take players let's say first team level to to implement your ideas, is it is it quite soon? Does it take a while, or is it completely dependent on the individual, the group, and the routine? It's in de- uh, depend on everything. You can say first of all the group. I can have some groups who are learning faster than other. I can also have have, have individual players who are learning faster than other. For example, let's take Liverpool FC. I'll say Andy Robertson, Robo. He just learned the things like really, really fast. Understood it all, and and I think he went. If we were looking at the fast and the clever throw-ins, um, then then he went from from not especially good to world class in like in a month or so, like really fast. And then if you comparing compare him to Trent Alexander Arnold, then he also had improvement in the start, but he he had to use like six months to come in the same level as Andy Robertson. And uh, wow. if you if you ask me, then 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 Liverpool have two best throw-in fullbacks in the world at the moment. So so it's it's like everything else in, in in football that that different players have different amount of time to, to learn something. So but I'll say in I'll say that that in if you look at the team, all teams are having having really really much improvement in, in short time because it's not only about uh, how far can you throw, how precise can you throw, when to throw fast, when to wait, but also how to create space. And just a little thing that that the players are really, you know, focusing on the throw-ins, that's really important. I like to quote Andy Robertson from the press conference before uh, the national team match for Scotland, I think it was early September 18. And he said there, I've only been coaching Liverpool for a little bit more than a month. He said that already now we can feel a big difference. Now we are switched on at every throw-in. And that's also one of the big differences that instead of thinking, oh, it's just a throw-in, then we the players are also concentrating on the throw-ins because you, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never expect a player who, has a, who gets the ball as a midfield player in the middle of the pitch, he's just saying, oh, I just have the ball. Let's see what's happening. No, he's 100% focused. He knows his different options and so, how he can play his teammates and so. And uh, that's the way it should be with throw-ins too. So, um, yeah. That's really cool. Do you have, in your experience of working with different clubs and different players, and it's really interesting to hear about different players taking it on board at different speeds. Do you have a, has there ever been a goal or a moment the sticks out in your mind and you've gone, yes, that was, that was from the training ground. Was there, have you got like a top five or a, or a one that you think, oh yeah, we did that one. That, that worked to a T, you know, like a goal that came about or even just a move that came about or, or is it more of a slower process than that? 
No, I'll just say I divided up in in two different uh, throwing victories or moments. You can say, first of all, of course, when we are when we're scoring after throwing in general, <clears throat> then it's pretty cool. Of course, it is. Uh, and for example, the winning goals against Wolverhampton um, and Spurs, sorry, <laughs> were coming were, were, were coming after throw-in situations. And of course, the whole world sees some of the goals, not all, but some of the goals, especially these two. And of course, I'm I'm being proud when when the when the team is scoring after throw-in, but I'm also just as proud if I, we just keep possession. Let's say from a a throw-in at own penalty area because there's a big risk by losing the ball there. And then often sometimes make a transition instead of just losing the ball and having yeah sometimes a goal after it, but also just keeping possession. Then I'm really proud. And sometimes in Liverpool or my other clubs, we're doing like perfect movements and perfect throws and passes and, and perfect space creation. Then I'm I'm just really proud. That that that's means uh, as much to me as scoring goals after throw-ins. But of course when we are when I'm talking with the media or media attention or attention on social media, um, goal scoring is is always a good thing to be acknowledged for. So uh, I'm proud uh, of many things around the throw-ins. I have to say, I absolutely love. You can see the way you talk, your your passion about your your work and what you do, and and your belief in it. I think it's fantastic. Um, it's great to see. Um, obviously, we're both wary of taking up too much of your time. Um, you are extremely busy, as you've already said. Um, Thomas, I just want to say a massive thank you to coming onto the show. Um, you, we've already said your website, but just in case anybody missed it, it's uh, thomasgoodermark.com. Definitely check it out. Um, Thomas is doing amazing work. Um, thank you for coming onto the show. We really, really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so I guess all that's left for me to say is thanks to Richard. Thanks, mate. And thanks, Thomas. Yeah, thanks again to Thomas. Thanks to you guys listening. No doubt you've enjoyed this show. A fantastic show. We'll see you soon. Okay.